Alright legends, welcome back dude to yet another episode of Get Around Me. What a time it is to be alive dude, truly. What a weekend for the nation just quietly. Australia is coming back in a big way. Everything was going on on the weekend. It was underbelly a tale of two cities. Melbourne, we had the F1 Grand Prix. Sydney, we had a murder at the Royal Easter Show. So, it's not a competition and no one's saying it is. Alright? Melbourne is, it's very well known, Melbourne is the most livable city in the world. Which again, kind of feels like you're the best swimmer in your year three swimming class. I mean, what does that even mean, Melbourne? What does that even mean? Okay. I think most countries and most cities in the Western world are pretty livable. That's just me. I don't want to nitpick, but I feel that that is a bizarre thing to hang your hat on. But nevertheless, Melbourne may be the most livable city in the world. I'll give you that. But Sydney is apparently the hardest. So you can take that little trophy, Melbourne, but you better not run your mouth because you've seen how we keep the block hot in the Harbour City. All right? The Royal Easter Show. I don't want to joke too much about the 16-year-old that got murdered, but I tell you what, how could you have a stabbing at the Easter Show? It seems... How could you explain that? Like, there's no way you could ever justify stabbing someone at the Royal Easter show. You know, imagine explaining that to someone. It's like, all right, you stab someone to death. What happened? All right, well, I was at the Easter show and they didn't have the show bag I was after. And it's like, dude, everyone knows if you want the birdie beetle bag, you got to line up early, brother. But I mean, really. (laughs) But yeah, I I said I didn't want to joke about it too much, but there you go. But really, I mean, the F1... Apparently, it was like the biggest F1 ever in Australia. I think, I, I think it was because almost every nerd I've ever met from Sydney was down there. So thank you, Melbourne, for sort of, uh, you know, housing our nerds for the weekend while Sydney's toughest and hardest could get down to business. While, while there's freaking... I'll tell you what revs me up to stab someone. Agricultural showcases. Okay, I see a pumpkin the size of my mum's head and just get ravenous for bladed weapons. <laughs> what a bizarre weekend yeah real shame about the easter show because i think they had to shut it down for a day and the easter show's just come back you know the easter show's doing it tough we need to support them it's bizarre it's absolutely bizarre to be honest i will say with the f1 you know i am personally not an f1 man if you can believe it i have in fact uh, had sex in the last 10 years so there's something about cars going around in a circle that doesn't particularly float me but to each their own i will say about the f1 because i watched a bit of the doco on netflix so i i get it okay it's very cool i understand i don't want some guy in a ferrari polo lighting me up in the dms okay but i'll say this about the f1 it might be the coolest event ever and i get that it's the coolest sport ever you can have both of those but Nothing translates worse to an Instagram story than the F1. (laughs) Blokes are like, this is the greatest weekend of my life. And it's just them sardined in between 40,000 other blokes 
behind a metal cage. Then there's a road, an empty road for about seven seconds. Greatest weekend of my life. And then you just see zoom. And there's just like a blue blur. And then you just you just hear like 27-year-old men coming in their pants. McLaren! You know, and they're like, and that's that's it. And I'm not disputing that it's cool as shit. I'm just I'm disputing that your cinematography covering the event could be a lot better. And I think we would all agree on that. I think that's harsh, but I also think that's fair. Okay? Nothing translates worse. So the F1 was a huge success. The Easter show was a huge flop. And, uh, and really, this country continues to offer something for everyone. So I think that's the takeaway here. I'm seeing a lot of negative press about the stabbing in Sydney. Okay? Let's not forget Underbelly, Tale of Two Cities. It takes two to tango. Melbourne. Adelaide, I mean, Adelaide, if, if we're being completely honest, I feel like Adelaide could use a stabbing just to get something on the back page, you know. But anyway, let's crack into the yarns for the week. Rough gig last night, right? Not the roughest gig. It was actually quite a good gig. But these, these oldies attempted to make it rough. First, so I got, I was hosting this show in Darlinghurst. I don't know. I, I don't want to speculate that it was sold out, but it looked sold out. And I go up there. First things first, uh, the, the sound tech has left their phone plugged into the sound. So it's one thing, you know, traditionally, no phones in a comedy show. That's just etiquette. This phone was ringing two minutes in to me starting the show. I haven't even told a joke yet. So, you know, they don't trust me yet. There's work to be done up there. I'm wearing a polo and I'm fucking, I'm in the trenches. Now, it's one thing to have the phone ring. This phone was ringing but it was connected to the speakers. So it was like the phone was ringing through the speakers. It was probably the most, one of the more complex heckles I've received because I said, could we please firstly disconnect that phone from the speaker and could we then turn it off? Okay. Is that too much to ask? If, I don't mind if you bloody take a phone call in a comedy show. In fact, I hate it. I don't know why I said that. I despise you and your family if you ever do that. But if you're going to plug your phone into the speakers, as this sound tech had, and then fucking, <laughs> thank God, I thought he was going to take the phone call. Honestly, I thought, Jesus Christ, are we going to get this bloke's dad piping through on the fucking, on the PA? Sorry, Jason, what did you want for dinner, mate? <laughs> I'm doing lasagna. You know, unless you've got enough lasagna for everyone here in the room, you take that call elsewhere, okay? So worst start to the show ever. And then we took the phone out and then it like fucked up the sound. It was doing that like that DI uh, direct input. That's an industry term. Okay. I know about audio, etc. And then it was doing like this humming. It was like humming. And at this point, I've been up there for about four minutes. I've done nothing but get heckled by the sound equipment and battle adversity. Yet to even tell a joke. My only ask is that if I'm going to bomb, you let me do so on my own accord. So then, crack into the show, and so I'm doing my first joke, and god damn it, three oldies, two, like, they're like all 60, you know, one of these, you know when you see a, like a 60-year-old woman, and her hair is just going out, she's like frizzy blonde hair, and it just went like, every strand of hair just went 
directly perpendicular to her head. She looked like fucking Angelica from that Nickelodeon show, dude. Just bam. It was like the wild thornberries or something. It was. I, I'm not sure where these references are coming from, and I'm not sure they're making sense, but I think we can all understand what I'm trying to say. Do you know who she looked like? She looked like the fucking divination teacher from Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Just wild hair. And it was the sort of old people where you could just tell before COVID, they're knocking over three cruises a year. No fuss. Okay. They think freaking, they think a, a, a cruise to the Solomon Islands is the equivalent of like traveling to South America. Okay. It's all within the bubble of travel for them. So they're literally full blown having a conversation. And this isn't the O2 arena. There's about 60 people here. And there's, they're like um, two meters away from me. I can hear your whole conversation. So I do a joke. But here's the thing. This is how comedy works. <sighs> Probably the most arrogant thing I've ever said. But here's the thing. These guys are chatting away. If I have a massive go at them before I've even got a laugh in the room, people are just going to think I'm a dick. Okay? Because that these people don't know that I'm lovable charmster billy darcy you know they're not familiar with my comedy stylings yet so i'm doing my opening joke it goes for about a minute full-blown conversations through the whole thing and then i stop that and then i just sort of take a moment as i'm wondering whether i should address it or not first joke goes all right but and i go oh here we go i go I, I just i just ever so gently I say, how are you guys going over there? Just talking to the table, just to let them know that I am, in fact, doing stand-up comedy in the room, okay? Not that I want to sort of interrupt their evening. That would be particularly rude of me. So I go, how are you guys going over there? And uh, this guy, this piece of shit, it fucking boils my blood just recounting this. After he's talked through my whole first joke, and I've had the worst start to the show ever, I'm like six minutes in. And it's just been torrid up there. Anyway, the rest of the crowd are quite lovely, by the way. Absolutely lovely. I go, how are you guys going over there? You enjoying the show? And this piece of shit, this old bloke, he goes, yeah, mate, just wondering when your first joke's going to be. And I go, (laughs) and I'm just fucking immediately furious. Immediately furious, okay? I'd love to break a chair over this prick's head. I don't even want to continue the show. But I have, like, obviously I want to continue the show, but I'm saying I'd like to stop the show to assault him and then restart the show, okay? But, you know, I'm a professional and I've got, you know, much like Chris Rock, I am bound by my hosting duties, okay? So I said, oh, we we got a wild guy over here. I'm trying to be very placid. And he said, well, you let me know when the joke is. And I said, you missed it because you talked through it, you piece of shit. Okay. And then now I'm teeing off on this old bloke. And this, here's the thing. While this may be unprofessional, am I to blame? Okay. Because I resisted the path of, of verbal violence. And this, I'll, I'll tell you what it pisses me off about when an old guy is uh, rude, is I know this piece of shit has been treating people like this for the last 40 years, you know? So I go, you talk through it, you piece of shit. Shut the fuck up, okay? Like this, I, I'm, now, now it's now we're off to the races.
Now, now you've you've bloody you've pissed me off. Anyway, so I deal with that. Do the rest of my show. I do twenty minutes opening the show. I'm supposed to do fifteen. This guy is just fucking. I'm furious. So I do twenty minutes to open the show. Everyone else is lovely, all good, no qualms. This old guy comes up to me once I come off, and starts talking to me like we're boys. He's like, sorry about that, mate. You know how it is. Just giving you a little bit of ammunition there, mate. Just giving you a little bit of ammunition there. I fucking hate when people do this, dude. If you heckle me, I hate you. I hate you. You've interrupted me, okay? And then he goes, yeah, I used to do stand-up when I was in uni. And now I'm like, there's no way. And then he goes, anyway, I'm going to go play the pokies. Back in a bit. I go, okay, good. And then he turns around, he comes back, he goes, did you want to come and play the pokies with me? I said, no, I'm in the middle of something. And he goes, yeah, 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 fair enough. And then, and then he left for like the next fucking hour. He missed the rest of the show. He came back for the headliner. He went and played the pokies for half an hour and then went to Burger King. And it's like, <laughs> so this guy came in, paid a full price ticket just to heckle the shit out of me for the first 10 minutes and then leave. If you're going to fucking do it, at least stay for the show, you piece of shit, you know? So anyway, just oldies, you know? Just oldies. If a young guy does that, I think, fuck, there's still hope. But this guy, I just think he's been an absolute cunt for 40 years. There's no turning back. So whatever. Anyway, so weird one last night and just old people just being fucking old, you know? But anyway, so Sunday. Sunday... Good mate of mine, Dorso. Dorso's the man. I remember when we were in lockdown uh, and we were unemployed, Dorso used to always drive past the, the old lad pad at like 6.30 a.m. and just scream out the window. And it's a testament to this man's lungs and, and the capacity there within because he used to actually be able to wake us up. Like I would not set an alarm during those two weeks of lockdown. Because Dorso would just bloody be screaming his lungs out, good morning, lads. And then, you know, you'd start your day. And then even better, he'd film it as well. So you'd open your phone, you'd cop, you'd cop then the MP4 version, the restless JPEG. Imagine someone gives you a personal wake-up call in the morning. And then, just in case that hasn't quite hit the spot, sends you the restless JPEG of said wake-up, just so you don't miss it. I mean, the man's a giver. And there's no doubt about that. But anyway, so it's Dorso's birthday. We go to the pub on a Sunday. Now, hap- by the way, happy to, happy to, but it does back end your weekend. I had a gig Saturday night, so I took that opportunity to cruise. Went out for a couple of drinks after the show with Rowan. Home by midnight. No Buffalo Bill shit, dude. Okay, I'm on fucking... This is all business. I'm fired up for Sunday. I've got Dorso's birthday and also the biggest UFC pay-per-view of the year so far. Crossover. Okay? It's like Family Guy and The Simpsons. I mean, this is just unbelievable. So, we get there and this is an absolute mugging from Dorso. I've, I've been, you know, Macca was in bed by 8pm the night before. The poor guy was so revved up. It was like Christmas, you know? And so we wake up the next day and we, we've got the UFC on early. The boys are up on a multi. Now, this is something that's not happened before. We're three legs into a multi, okay? 
three legs into a five-legger, and then we go to the pub to watch the rest of the fights. So we are entering the pub three legs in already. You want to see three blokes enter the pub with a little bit of pep in their step? Fucking bit of a skip, bit of a, you know, bit of energy, bit of purpose. Send three blokes in who've already a three legs up on a, on a fucking mixed martial arts multi, dude. Okay? That's confidence personified. So then we get there at 12 for Dorso's birthday. Beautiful table booked outside. All the girlfriends are there. You know, it's going off. It's great. Unfortunately, the fights are not being shown outside. So all the lads just sat in the sports bar watching the pay-per-view for the first two hours of the birthday lunch. And it's so funny because, like, <laughs> we should have just watched the fights at home and then come to the come to the pub. <laughs> like, we were like, oh, Dorso, yeah, we'll come for your birthday. And then we literally, like, we're just in a different room of the pub. And we thought, like, that was as good as, you know what I mean? It was like, it was stupid. But anyway, all the lads are there. Dorso was in the sports bar, so it's all about the birthday boy, you know? So that's all good. And... Adzi got up about 600 bucks the night before, so his confidence was something we've not seen before. His shoulder blades were grinding together as he walked around. You know, his his chin was so far fucking perched up in the air, I think a local bird could have landed on it and started a family. I mean, this guy's posture was out of control. But anyway, so two greats on Sunday. We had Dorso's birthday and we had UFC legend Alexander Volkanovsky. The great Australia's featherweight champ was fighting. My God. Firstly, the boys got up on the punt on a on one multi, but the one we had when we entered the pub did not get up. So I just want to be fully transparent with that. And I tell you what, the Volk, oh my God. If you're not a UFC fan, totally understand. But if you're going to watch one fight a year, make it an Alex Volkanovsky fight. I mean, the guy comes out to defend the belt draped in the Aussie flag, and just beats the absolute fuck out of people. I mean, I don't know how I could sell it more than that. You know, I like to put mayo on stuff and sort of dress things up with a bit of bit of bands, but I don't need to on this occasion, okay? So the vault comes out and just, it's just three rounds of insane punishment being dished out by the vault. He's fighting this guy called the Korean Zombie. Okay, now, a key trait of zombies is that they will, in fact, not die. Okay, it's pretty much impossible to knock out the Korean zombie, hence his nickname. And this isn't really his nickname. It's literally like, it says on the broadcast, zombie versus Volkanovsky. Like, in interviews, he says, call me zombie. (laughs) Okay, this guy's not fucking around with this whole zombie thing. So... The Volk is just dishing out punishment like you would not believe. It's almost a hate crime to see a white guy beat up an Asian bloke like this, you know. Twitter's going nuts. Thank God a commission sanctioned this. And how sick is this from the Volk? So the zombie is coming out for the fourth round and, you know, the doctors were looking at him. The bloke is literally unwrecked. The zombie looks like Billy Darcy, okay? That's, that's how fucked up this bloke looked. And... And how's this? The Volk, before the start of the fourth round, he goes, the ref's like, let's, all right, go, or let's fight, or whatever they say. And the Volk goes, 
are you sure? And the zombie's like, yeah, yeah, let's go. And Volk goes, no, no, no. Are you sure about this? And the zombie's like, I'm sure. And the Volk goes, this is a title fight. This is UFC at the highest level imaginable for the strap. And you've got the champ literally begging this guy to stop so he doesn't have to fuck him up any further. And wow, I'd love to tell you the zombie came out in in a great comeback you know, and just it was one of the all-time great fights and it just goes to show you should never give up. But unfortunately, that's not the case. The zombie should have, in fact, listened to Alexander Volkanovsky, okay? Because uh, within 30 seconds, the Volk had just absolutely not knocked him out. It got, it got stopped standing up on the feet. I have literally no idea how this man did not fall down. But the Volk just unloaded on him. It was over in about 20 seconds in the fourth round. So God bless the Volk, because all the lads are on the knockout, obviously. And, uh, and yeah, just a fantastic moment for Australian sport. Dude, is there anything better than watching Aussies on the world stage? I honestly don't think there is. So, anyway, we head out. All the boys are bloody going nuts, you know, just going nuts. You know how it is. I don't need to tell you how I go nuts. I mean, everyone knows that I go nuts. But, no, we're just having schooners. And me and Adzi got in a famous blow-up at the pub. So, I'll run this one past you because I'm pretty sure I'm the villain in this one. So, it's Dawson's birthday. So, I go to the bar to get him a vodka, lime and soda because that's what he's drinking at the time. So, then I think, well, if I'm getting Dawson one, I might as well treat myself. You know, everyone's saying you got to love yourself. So, I say, I'll, I'll get a tequila soda for myself. So, I come back to the table. Axel, one of the lads, has bought me a beautiful beer because I was in his round. And so, now I've got a, I'm sitting on a beer and a tequila soda. To my left, Adzi, no drinks, but he's got a pocket full of cash and a bad attitude, okay? So, I said, Adzi, mate, you can have this tequila soda. He goes, no, I want the beer. And here's the thing. I thought I wanted a tequila soda, but now that I've seen this beautiful Carlton draft, I myself would like to continue drinking schooners. So, I said, well, no, you can have the tequila soda. I'm having the beer, as is my right. Adji says, no, I'm having the beer. Fuck your tequila soda. Okay? So now, now we've got a bloody, we've got a confrontation. Because I thought I was doing a nice thing, but he's thrown it back in my face. But now what's going on? So I said, all right, you can have half the beer. How does that sound? Adzi grabs the beer. No qualms. Then Adzi's enjoying this beautiful beer. I think, ho, ho, ho. I also would enjoy some of that beautiful beer. So I said, Adzi, mate. Give us a few sips of that beautiful Carlton draft. Adzi says, no, it's my beer. <laughs> at which point I'm looking at Adzi like I looked at that old bloke at the comedy show. I'm thinking, you piece of shit, okay? So then I'm thinking, I go, no, no, no. I think you'll find it's my beer. I gave it to you. I said you could have some of it. Keyword being some. Adzi just says, get fucked or whatever. I don't even know. I can't remember what, what, what the nuance of his argument. So then I go, you're kidding. And now at this point, I'm blind and I'm digging my heels in. You know when you're blind and you just, you just go part, you just dig your heels in for no reason because you're too drunk to let it go. So then I go to the, I think, I've got, I've, I think I am morally right here, okay? 
I've given Adzi the beer and specified that he could have some of it. So I go to the lads. I said, I said, lads, what's the verdict on this? And the lads unceremoniously all sided with Adzi, insinuating that I probably was being a bit much, okay? Which looking back, I could see that I was. But there's nothing worse. I'll tell you this. There's nothing worse than when you, you willingly throw to the group because this was a private dispute, okay? I'm the one that took this public and I'm the one who took the loss, okay? So I've given Adzi a beer. I've, he's given me a comeuppance and my status at the table is through the floor, okay? So I don't know. DM me about that one because I'm still up in the air as to who was right. I don't know how you can give someone half a beer and be a villain at the same time, but I managed to find a way. So, yeah, at the moment, the lads have it standing that uh, unnecessary blow up and I was out of line and both seem to be fair calls. But, yeah, I don't know. Let me know because I feel like a, I would love for someone to jump on my side on this one because it's Billy D versus the lads. And uh, the fact that I'm even still talking about on this podcast insinuates that uh, that I should absolutely let this go. But yeah, that was a, a minor blow up, and that's probably the biggest scuffle me and Adzi have had in probably since the time he pinned me up against the wall at his Mrs. Twenty First some three years ago. So it's a pretty good run. It's a pretty good run when you think about what an absolute fuckwit I can be. Uh, it's a pretty good run. Okay. So the lad, I think we're stronger for it, and we went to a chicken takeaway shop afterwards, and both got some beautiful burgers. So you know, there's adversity out there. I'm not going to pretend there isn't, but still, I think we're better for it. All right. So I would like to talk about my beloved Matildas ever so briefly. The t- I tell you what, the Matildas. I don't know. I I'm ashamed to say I missed their blockbuster game last week. And I follow, I follow the team on social media, and I also follow several uh, several of their players individually on social media. Um, so I can only assume Haley Razzo has blocked me on Instagram, despite the fact I have never attempted to contact her. But I did comment on one of her photos once, so the ban is justified. Anyway, so the Matildas, dude, the Matildas are just great viewing. So how's this for a game last week? So, Australia versus New Zealand. Grudge match, okay? Now, I'm happy to lose to New Zealand in rugby union, mostly because, like, like any Australian worth their salt, I never know when, when the Wallabies are playing. But one thing we will never lose to New Zealand to has got to be soccer or football, as it were, okay? I'm sorry. But I think New Zealand got their first soccer ball 15 years ago. I'm fine to lose to fucking European and South American teams, but it'll be a cold day in hell before we lose a game of football to New Zealand. They've got a population of seven and they don't know the rules, okay? So it's completely unacceptable that we should ever lose to the frickin' Silver Ferns or the All Whites or whatever they're called with their weird team names and their sensational culture, okay? So here's the deal. Thursday night, I want to say, Wednesday night last week, Australia played uh, New Zealand in soccer. The Matildas 
I don't want to get this blue, and I hate to use this sort of language, but they are absolutely just destroying New Zealand at this point. There must have been 25 goals on target from our girls in the first 20 minutes, okay? This chick from New Zealand, it's nil all. Nil all till about the 20-minute mark, maybe 30, I think it was. This chick from New Zealand, and this is New Zealand in, in a nutshell, you know, they're a tiny country, but they've got big dreams and they don't mind having a crack, okay? At the end of the day, whatever you want to say about New Zealand, let's not forget where Lord came from, okay? That debut album was simply unbelievable. And if you don't crank it every now and then, you're probably not human. So this chick from New Zealand has just hit one from, I'm not joking, the sideline. Genuinely the sideline. I can only assume it was a cross that went horribly wrong, judging by the standard of the rest of the play from the New Zealand team. This chick has hit a cross, I think, that has just gone horribly wrong and then went horribly right. Top corner. Literally from the sideline, like bend it like Beckham sort of just went in. It was the most innocuous, weirdest goal I've ever seen. And it was also an absolute banger, to be fair. So credit where credit's due. Now, you got you got this thing where Australia, it was like the ref was almost about to stop this thing. You know, we're about to put in a mercy rule. The New Zealand goalkeeper has two black eyes. No one knows how she got them, Okay. The, the Matildas are just all over it. Now they're down 1-0, and now it's like, what the fuck? Game's turned on its head. And then the whole second half, the Matildas are just desperation in the air, you know, uh, and can't get that goal. It's just, must have been a million shots on target from the Matildas in the second half. Then, five minutes of stoppage time. 93rd minute, Van Egmont scores, one all. Okay, nice little goal as well. Now, 94 minutes and like 37 seconds, 20 seconds to go in the game or something. Australia has a corner, balls up in the air, Sam Kerr runs in, bam. We, we were down 1-0 in the 93rd minute. In the 95th minute, we win 2-1. What is doing? Okay, the Matildas rip so hard. Sam Kerr just dived headfirst into the into this ball like she just was she just wanted it more. I love that Sam Kerr always plays the full fucking ninety as well. You know she could easily score a couple, go off at the seventy minute mark, have a Gatorade, answer a few DMs, several of which are from me, and just be on her way. But no, I mean look when we played fucking the Philippines and won twenty four nil or whatever, she played the full ninety there as well. This chick is just absolutely ravenous. For football. And you love to see it. And what a thriller. What an absolute thriller. Um, and it's just a reminder to New Zealand that, hey, sometimes your big brother might take his foot off the gas a little bit and let you score one or two, get some brownie points with mum, but don't forget who sleeps on the fucking top bunk, okay? New Zealand? More like New Luseland. <laughs> Oh my god! All right, all right. So we've all had enough fun now. Okay, let's let's sort that out. Billy Darcy, edit that out, you son of a bitch! Thank God I do not edit this podcast. I'll tell you that. 
because I would not want to have to listen to that shit again, let me tell you. But Billy Darcy edits this pod, and uh, I've thanked him numerous times before uh, in what is a pretty thankless job. And let's be honest, when I say edit, I don't, like, he doesn't really cut anything out ever, but he does listen back to it, which is, you know, wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. So, (laughs) Bill, edit out that absolute shocker. New Loseland. Oh, my God. That's okay. That's okay. (laughs) Cancel this podcast forever. That sucked. That was the worst. That might be the worst joke I've ever told on the podcast. Top 10. Because there has been some shockers, dude. Some absolute shockers. But go the Matildas. Then we played New Zealand again last night. And just 3-1, Sam Kerr again, no stress, no qualms. Dude, Sam Kerr is so good in the air, it's unbelievable, okay? It is unbelievable. If you're freaking, if you're at Woolies and you can't, you can't get the fucking Wheat Bix value pack down from the top shelf, Sam Kerr will come in and fucking head it off for you, you know? The vertical leap on this chick has to be seen to be believed. But anyway... So go the Matildas. And then we had, so then we had, there was, dude, what a week for Australian sport. There was boxing last week. I don't know if anyone saw this. I don't know if this is a bit sport heavy this week, but this guy, Harry Garside, Australian Olympic boxer, bronze medalist in the Olympics. He fought, uh, forgive me, I forget the guy's name, this, uh, this uh, fella, but uh, my God, that was a fucking sick fight as well. I'll tell you what's weird about boxing is they said this. I I just don't understand boxing. I'm trying to become a boxing fan. You know, obviously I've met lightweight champion of the world, George Cambosis. So I feel like I owe it to George to take an interest in the sport. And since I watched Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder last year, that was now I'm like, I'm into boxing. It's on my radar of stuff to watch. Like, I'll watch Canelo next week, Amanda Serrano's fighting, and I don't know anything about it, but I'll, I'll watch it. I'm attempting to become a fan of the sport. But it's a very, it's not user-friendly boxing. They've just 75 belts, and I don't know who's got which ones. George Cambosis beat a guy and won six belts. Now, George Cambosis is fighting Devin Haney, in June in Melbourne. And Devin Haney also has a belt. So there's seven belts up for grabs on this one fight. I mean, should I just throw in my cotton on belt as well? You can have this one as well, lads. You know? It's very confusing. So Harry Garside was fighting for the Australian Lightweight Championship, which I didn't even know was a thing. I honestly don't understand. I'm pretty sure if you hit some bloke at a bus stop, you become the Australian lightweight champ. I don't know how it works. But anyway, so they said, uh, I read in the paper that Harry Garside, this was a really tough fight for him to take, and it was too soon in his pro career to take this boxing match. So I said, holy shit, we've got an absolute barn burner on the telly. I can't wait to see this. And then I think, well, you know, I'm, I'm a man of finance. Let me have a punt on this thing. and. Harry Garside is paying a dollar ten, and the other guy is paying six dollars. So I go, "What? This is a tough fight. How could he be any more of a favourite?" 
And he went on to win every round. He didn't even sit on the stool once, Harry Garside. Uh, you know, he just absolutely murked this guy. It was a, it was a wild fight, but it was, it was also quite a clinical performance. But uh, the guy he was fighting was just bobbing and weaving all over the place. It was pretty entertaining. But then... The thing about boxing is it's so like it's so clear like the whole event was just set up for Harry Garside to beat this guy so they can progress his career. Like in boxing I think you've got to get like 10 victories before like you got to get 10 15 pro victories and they just line up absolute tomato cans as far as the eye can see. Not that this this bloke was it was quite a good fight but like it was so the whole event was just for Harry Garside to to continue his career. If if the other guy won, uh, Manuel, whatever his name was, the event would have been a huge failure, really, you know? And it's quite bizarre. I mean, I think I'm fighting Harry Garside next week just so he can continue on his merry way. Whereas in the UFC, you just have blokes teeing off on each other with no real agenda. But with the boxing, it's so clear with these, like, in these Australian things, like when fucking Tim Zhu was fighting these absolute cans these blokes are just they're just warm bodies for tim zoo to tee off on and and get on his merry way in his professional career and that was very much the the case with this harry garside thing i mean the commentary was the most biased commentary i've ever heard like the fr- manuel the other guy he'd do something crazy and they'd be like good try loser and then harry garside would land a punch and they'd be like garside again this kid's unbelievable, you know? And it was quite bizarre. Also, we've got to stop this thing in Australian boxing, and this is an issue. Rugby league commentators on Australian boxing fights. We're getting a play-by-play like it's the fucking West Tigers versus the Raiders. The the, the rugby league guy, they, we receive zero boxing analysis. And I don't know anything about boxing. I want you to explain to me what's happening, you know? I'm just seeing hands going everywhere. It just looks like a beer garden incident to me. So I need some analysis. Explain the strategy, the tactics, you know? And instead, you just get these rugby league 60-year-old white guys going, bam, big left from Garside. And he swings right and he misses. And another right. And it's like, I know my lefts and my rights. What I don't know about is... The sweet science of boxing, brother. And that's okay for me not to know about it because I'm not being employed as a boxing commentator. But you are. So is there any danger of some insight, okay? We just got these fucking rugby league guys. They're just commentating the the freaking, the intricacies of this 10-round war as if it's the first hit-up of a State of Origin game. At one point, the guy's just going, boom, boom, bang, kablamo, just doing fucking sound effects. It was the worst commentary I've ever heard of any sporting event ever, okay? And that might sound dramatic, but I am dramatic, dude. I think we all know that by now. So the commentary was awful. Harry Garside was electric, and uh, I'm attempting to understand boxing, but my quest continues. Anyway, just to, just to finish up here. Trying to take any more of your time. A story that caught my eye, Nick Kyrgios. Now, this is not a sports-related story. I know today has been very sports-heavy. But Nick Kyrgios, right, 
He lost last week, and that's fine. Nick Kyrgios often loses. And he also blew up at the umpire. And that's fine, because Nick Kyrgios often blows up at the umpire, and he often does it while losing, as much as I love the great man. Okay? And I've got no qualms with him doing either of those things. It's his business. Okay? Then, Kyrgios' post on Instagram the next day, all these messages he received, like full-blown death threats, being like, you're a fucking loser, watch your back, I'm going to kill you, you piece of shit. And dude, when are we going to get past this thing where it is completely okay for people just to fire off horrific messages to people on the internet? You know? I've never, like, obviously, I don't know how we would ever regulate this. But the fact that some random guy can just message Nick Kyrgios a death threat with no repercussions. And you know what I hate about this is just these people who are being so weird on the internet then act normal in real life. Like blokes who like fire off a death threat to Nick Kyrgios and then in the office going, yeah, so what do you guys think of this election? And it's like, no, Brian, you fucking weirdo. You should be locked up. I don't know if we're ever going to hit a point in our collective internet culture where there's like, you know, I don't want to get to 1984 with it. Like everyone's inboxes should be regulated because they shouldn't be. But, and I'm not saying anyone should do any sort of prison time or anything, but at the very least, you should be banned from the app. You know, if I message, uh, you know, one of, one of the great listeners of this podcast and I say, watch your back, I'm going to fucking kill you. <laughs> I think at the very least, I should be banned from Instagram. Should I not? It's insane now where it's become such a part of, of uh, social media culture. That is just known that, oh, yeah, if you're a professional sports player, um, death threats are just part of the gig. Yeah, that's the, yeah, no, that's just part of the gig, mate. Come on, mate. Water off a duck's back. Like when uh, Saka, or Saka, I don't know, I'm, I don't know, I'm not the biggest football fan, but the, uh, you, uh, he plays for Arsenal, black English guy. When he missed that penalty in the Euros, he had thousands of racist racially charged death threats in his inbox for missing a penalty. I don't think... Now, where, what were the repercussions for any of those people? Any of those freaking... Those white English baldies? Ra- freaking racially vilifying this bloke because he didn't kick a ball in the designated area. And I fucking froth on sport. I'm not one of these guys who's like, ooh, what's the big deal with sports ball? It's stupid. Dude, I fucking love sport, okay? But... It's just a ball, you know? Like, love it and leave it, you know? If, it, if it's getting you to the point where you're threatening someone's life or bringing up the color of their skin because of what they did with a ball, I'm sorry, but this is ridiculous and you should be banned from Instagram or Twitter or whatever forever. Like, this is just out of hand. How can Nick Kyrgios be getting death threats for losing a game of tennis? It's fucking tennis, brother, you know? God, people suck. It's just like, this is just, internet culture is just too wild. You know, no wonder people don't look at their freaking, you know, you hear celebrities say, oh, I just post and then I don't even look at the comments. And you think, yeah, why not? Ugh. And he, and, and here's the thing, like, I feel like commenting on someone's photo on Instagram being like, this is a lame photo. 
you know, I'm still in for that shit. I love comments. I read, like, not my comments, but I read, like, um, uh, all the comments on, like, people I like and stuff. Comments are fucking hilarious. I love the comments. I'm not saying we should disable comments. Or I'm not saying we should disable messages. But, like, because some of them are hilarious, dude. But there should be some sort of a repercussion. If you comment on someone's photo, I am going to kill you. You shouldn't then be on Facebook the next day checking your inbox as if it's business as usual. I don't, I don't think that's too much to ask. But maybe I'm being a bit dramatic. I don't know. But also, it's just it's my boy Nick Kyrgios, you know? Let me defend my boy. So, anyway. That is the podcast for this week. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, there is... 20 or like 15 or 20 tickets left for that Sydney show, May 19. Tickets in my Instagram bio. Can someone just buy those last 10 tickets? Just uh, starting to piss me off a little bit. But apart from that, everything's going swimming and, uh, you know, whatever. Et cetera, dude. Et cetera. Thanks for listening. Way too long. Way too long. Yeah. And I can see the ground now. Way too long. Way too long.